Appreciate you being with us for another uh, podcast of Strength of the Things That Remain. I thought you've been enjoying these podcasts. We've been getting tons of feedback from people and it uh, seemed like we get messages just every time one of these airs, talk, people talking about how the Lord has helped them with it. And uh, so we appreciate you watching, appreciate you sharing, and uh, we just hope that you'll continue to do that. Uh, we're trying to get some of the very cream of the crop preachers to be in with us, and we've got another great one for you again this evening, Brother Davey Shelton. And uh, Brother Davey is a close friend of mine. He pastored here in uh, uh, Yancey at uh, the Pleasant Valley Baptist Church. How many yeah. years were you at Pleasant Valley? Fourteen and a half. Fourteen and a half yes, years. Sir. And then on the road in evangelism, how many years? I was a full-time evangelist for five. Five years. And now I've been in Gateway in Bowling Springs, South Carolina, which is outside of Spartanburg, uh, five and a half. Very good. So, well, uh, we're, we're glad to have you, Preacher. We're, we're glad honored, you're brother. Come be with us. Uh, talk to us a little bit. Tell us about your uh, uh, your testimony of salvation. You called to preach. Tell us a little bit about your background. Oh, I'd be glad to, Brother Bradley. Uh, well, I... I was raised in a Christian home. My mama took us to church every time the doors open. I never had to ask what we was doing on the weekend for sure, and I sure wasn't tell her I wasn't going. And, uh, but she kept us there under the sound teaching and preaching the Word of God. And in the summer 1979, I'd been nine years old, nine and a half years old. Um, I, like I said, been raised in a preaching. I knew the truth. I knew the Bible is the Word of God. I, I don't remember it not, never having that knowledge. Of not knowing it, I, I don't. I don't remember the time I didn't know who Jesus was. Right. Uh, but that Sunday in Sunday school, as a teacher in a room about the size of this and table just like this, carried her Bible around, tears dripping off her face, Amen. and she said, "Boys and girls, the only prayer God hear you is that of repentance." Yeah. And so, the first time in my life, the Holy Ghost smote my heart, Amen. showed me I was lost. I knew Jesus died for the world. But that day I found out he died for me. Amen. And I got under conviction. I didn't get saved that day. I, but I, I remember this. From that, for the next six, seven months, the, the Lord just kept coming back, dealing with my heart. And um, in the spring, 1980, I went to school that day just like normal. Um, come home, normal, and got homework done, ate supper, playing with my younger brother, and um, about time for bed, Mama grabbed the blue black Bible hers out. And uh, she always read to us before we went to bed. And we'd gather around the fireplace and we prayed. I yeah. mean, you hear it in songs. I, I lived this. I mean, it, <laughs> it wasn't a song. It was in our right, house. Right, no doubt. No more. She had picked that Bible up. And the Holy Ghost so smote my heart, put me under deep conviction. I felt like I was about to drop into hell at any second. And I know everybody says it, but I mean, that's just how I felt at the moment. Yeah. Don't, I couldn't tell you what mama read. And um, she went through the normal thing and she prayed with us. And then we'd all went by one by one and kiss her goodnight and go to bed. And that night, as I went to kiss her, she said, son, if you need me, you know where I'm at. Yeah. And she knew. I, yeah. I believe that all my heart. And I went to go to bed and my two brothers and me, we all shared a little room. We was raised in a mill village house, just a pitiful. And we had blankets on the window. They weren't curtains. They had literal blankets on it. And uh, my two brothers, we all went to bed. And uh, the, my younger brother shared a bed with him. He went to sleep immediately. It's like before his head hit the pillow, he's out. But I laid under deep conviction in that bed rolling around saying, God, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. And um, finally got up and went and knocked on my mom's bedroom door. And she come out ready. She done had her house coat on. And I didn't know how to ask to be saved. But then I, I said, I got to get this going in my heart. I said, I got to get this. I said, Mama, how do you know when God's talking to you? Right. And I didn't know it was him, but I just need this conversation to get going because I need some relief. And that night in the corner of our living room, uh, she opened the Bible and uh, told me, making sure I understood what in the world was going on. Right. And uh, Mama knew it had been a conviction for months, and she'd just throw some gasoline on it. But that night, she's just she's going to see where I was at. And that night, I bowed down to that little recliner, called on the Lord. Don't have a clue what I said. I didn't know you're supposed to remember all that. I don't even know the date. 
Right. I just know it's the spring 1980. But that night I bowed down a sinner and called upon the Lord. He birthed me in the family of God Amen. that night. Amen. I tell everybody, I, just, I literally just knew enough to get saved. Yeah. That's all I knew. I just yeah. knew enough. I didn't even know what, what I, I knew something that night got come off of me. And I, for lack of a better word, that night felt like something moved in me. Yeah. Right. I found out later it was the Holy Ghost taking up his boat <laughs> in me. And it was that guilt yeah. of all my sin moved away that night. I got born again. And uh, boy, God put it in me. I'll never forget, went to, went to bed that night. I went to sleep immediately. Right. Got up the next morning. Mama normally come wake us up to go to school. And I went and found Mama. And I said, Mama, I'm saved. Yeah. She didn't even ask me. I just won't tell and as I waited on that yellow school bus that morning, the Holy Ghost said, won't, won't you tell your best friend? I, I didn't even know it was the Holy Ghost. But I, again, I, right. I, I just young. And uh, so I did. Went, got to school, waited on him at the door. And I pulled him aside. I said, I got saved last night. I don't know you saved. Just yeah. automatically kicked off in my heart. Right. And so I'm thankful. I'm so glad because uh, I knew I couldn't save myself. I knew that. And he birthed me in his family that amen, night. Amen. Amen. I, was, I was 10 years old, just a little over 10 then. Went through them years, fell in love with the church, didn't mind going to church. Uh, but in those early teen years, began caring too much what my friends thought. Right. And uh, got a little cold and different in my heart. And um, uh, just going along with the flow. May 1985. Um, uh, there's a tent meeting in Marion, North Carolina. Brother Ralph Sexton was preaching. And our church from Swan and Oil drove down four nights a week to the meeting. And I rode the van every night with them. And the, and the Lord got speaking in my heart about really selling out, serving him. And one night in the shavings of that tent, I, I bowed down. I said, God, sink or swim will ever die. I'm going to serve you. Right. Regardless of what comes or go. I'm tired of this. I'm miserable. Because uh, a child of God, he's miserable. He ain't happy. Right. Right. He, he'll have a thrill if he's dabbling with sin. There'll be a thrill in it. Right. But he ain't going to be happy. Right. And I submit. And boy, I got thoroughly right that night. Amen. And in that meeting, God put that uh, call to preach in my heart. Just <laughs> uh, automatically. Yep. I knew what it was. And and some people run from I wasn't trying to run from I just... You know, I just trying to do what he wanted because, man, I just had, I had just surrendered everything. I said, God, whatever it is. And um, put that preaching, I mean, driving force. Amen. That's a desire. That call to put a desire in a man to preach. A That's man right. don't have a desire to preach, he ain't called. I, right. I, I'll never be convinced I otherwise. Right. And uh, he put it in me and um, started preaching. And um, probably six months Preacher friend of mine, Brother Bruce Robinson, we got a radio broadcast together. Teenage boys. I just turned 16. Um, my papa was a foreman for here Ward Construction out of Asheville. They, at that time, they built all the Ingalls stores. Right. And uh, that year he decided, had the kind of money he made, he gave every grandchild $50. Uh, 1985 had a lot of money. Right. I spent $5 getting a haircut and buying a Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> Had $45 left, and I used that $45 to start that radio broadcast with. And for the next five, six years, that was the last dollar I ever put in it. Amen. The people in the church just started coming by and would give me and Bruce money for the broadcast. Right. And so then I started pastoring my first church. I was 21, took Chapel Hill Baptist Church, Skyland, North Carolina. I was there two years from there, I went, me and Renee got married. I met her. Uh, we were only dating while I was pastoring Chapel Hill. Uh, we got married. I took Liberty Baptist in Evident, Virginia. Stayed there three years. From there, I come to Burnsville. Yeah. Um, spent 14 and a half. And then, after that, the Lord dealt with my heart in a motel room in Union, South Carolina. I was preaching over in Whitmire, staying in Union. Uh, one night, I wrestled with God. Uh, he, he said, you're done at Pleasant Valley, and I want you to go on full-time evangelism. And, fellas, I'm going to be honest. I wrestled. I, I didn't wrestle with God. I was about to call preach like I did that. Yeah. I mean, it scared me. I, I've seen a lot of men after going to evangelism never made it, never, right. never preached, never done nothing. And, 
And uh, so I wrestle with God and I start giving him excuses. You know, I don't preach like these other guys. I'm just a mountain preacher. And, and um, I used that and God come back and said, Moses tried that business. I'm not too interested. Right. It didn't work for him. So, right. And just on and on. But when I finally, I said, all right, Lord, if I, if I just make a mess and I never preach one time, if it's what you want, I'll do it. And uh, went out and, and for five years uh, was on the road. When I come off the road, it wasn't because I was running meeting. I was doing 44 weeks a year yeah. by then. And, um, but God had touched my heart. The pastor of Gateway, Brother Ray Stewart, uh, had contacted me in November of uh, 2014 and asked me to pray. And I did. And God sealed it in my heart. And June uh, 2015, they voted me in as pastor at Gateway, and I've been there five and a half years now. Amen. And I'm thankful. I have no, the parts of preaching and serving God, I have no regrets of that whatsoever. Amen. Amen. A lot of other areas in my life I regret, yeah, sure. but that ain't one of them. Sure. I'm Amen. thankful. I've, the Lord's let me preach a lot of places, see a lot right. of folks saved, and right. I thank Him for that. Amen. It's been such a blessing. Well, uh, we try to do a, a topic with every one of our uh, with every one of our podcasts, and uh, I was telling you before we came on, yeah. um, I wanted you to talk a little bit to young preachers, particularly, yes, sir, about the unction to preach, uh, because you're one of the most unctionized preachers I know. Oh, no, uh, you hit the pulpit in high gear; you're ready to go. Talk to us a little bit about unction. What what is unction? You know, okay. I got this idea in my mind from uh, I don't know if you ever read the uh, Leonard Ravenhill's book on why revival oh, yes, sir. and that first chapter is with all thy getting get unction I'd eat your lunch at book with <laughs> I've read through it I can't take but a chapter at a time yeah. <laughs> and then I have to lay it down go repent somewhere and pray and then yeah. maybe the next day or two go by and yeah. soothe up from the first day <laughs> but yes sir um the Bible said in Ephesians five eighteen, "Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit." Yep. It's a command; it's not even a suggestion. And before I get long into that, I will say this: I'm not preaching a second work of grace. Right. I'm not. I'm not talking about some mystical, wild something, but just what the Bible teaches. I mentioned the Lord called me. I was fifteen years old, a little over fifteen years old. And I started preaching. And I preached my first message. I preached out Matthew 27 on the cross, which I think is the safest text for a young sure. preacher to take of any text. Right. Uh, for the sake of time, take it up time, I read almost the whole chapter. Yeah. Uh, just being honest about it. <laughs> Still preached five, six minutes. <laughs> All I could say was, uh. I'd say, uh. And uh, yeah, and uh, and that went on the next time I preached, and and I thought I can't do this. This is killing me. Yeah. And I'd got listening on the radio for WKJV become what it is now. It was WTOO, and um, I, I when I really dedicated my life at tent, I cut ties with worldly music. Uh, a lot of other things. I started trying to find gospel music anywhere I could. At that time, there wasn't a full Christian station until that fall, and then WONO come in, and then WTOO become what it is. I got listening to Wade Huntley on Sunday afternoons mm -hmm. on WTOO, and behind him was Steve Reinhardt. Oh, yeah. All right? You've got two mountain <clears throat> preachers right. that know the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Right. And I'd, I'd sit there on Sunday afternoon, fellas, listen to those men pray, and the unction. And I'd listen to my preacher, and he had an unction on. He had that, right. he had that touch. Right. And I'm thinking, Lord, I'm spinning my wheels, and yeah. I ain't getting nowhere. Right. And uh, I'd listen to Wade and Steve, and I'd weep. I'd literally get down on the floor by my bed and began to pray. And I said, God, I need what these men's got. And I need what my pastor's got. And I know I don't have it. Right. It's not happening. One Sunday afternoon, once a month, we'd go preach at a nursing home in Asheville. My, my great-grandmother was in this particular nursing home. 
And uh, I got down to study that afternoon and I was praying and I just told God, I said, I can't do this no more. If you don't touch me, I, I can't do it. Right. And I said, Lord, I, I'm going to die. I can't do this. I don't right. know what I'm doing. And um, I prayed, I, and, and I mean this all, I poured my heart out. Right. I, I came to the end of me. Is what it boiled yeah. down to. Yeah. Come to the end. I realized the flesh wasn't going to get it done. Right. And fellas, when I got up to preach that afternoon in that nursing home, <laughs> I preached out Psalm 23. Yeah. This is the only way I know to word it. When I came to myself. Yeah. 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 When I came to myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Amen. I'd been kicking my feet up by as high as my head. Right. And been preaching just wide open right. for the first time ever. And I felt the hand of God on me. Yeah. yeah. And got in the van with everybody else to go back to the church and then the night service. My pastor paid me the best compliment he'd ever has ever given me. He said, Son, God touched you today. Yeah. And I said, Preacher, I know. I said, I ain't never experienced nothing like this. Yeah. That night at church, Brother BB. I went through the singing, pretty good service. He said, he don't know it, but Shelton's going to preach tonight. Mm. He said, he preached today. And he said, I don't care if he preaches the same thing, but he's going to preach. Right. And it hit me again. Yeah. Amen. And I came myself again, leaning over the banner's church, rubbing the altar. Yeah. Saying, come get you some of this still water and green pastures. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, it, it is where a man will come to the place yeah. that he, he, he dies to himself and he can't do yep. it. A man can't do it. Right. If the Holy Spirit doesn't touch us and enable us, we can't. It's, right. it's, it is a slap impossibility for a man to preach and hearts get touched and lives changed without the Holy Ghost. Amen. Right. Yeah. Our intellect ain't going to do it. Right. We've got, I believe we've got better education for preachers than we've ever had. And we've got zeal. We've got young preachers with uh, zeal, man, and they are excited. I'm glad. Right. But there's a difference in that unction, that anointing, right. and zeal. Right. They're, they're not the same thing. Right. Because you can holler and scream and never make headway. Yeah. Right. Right. And uh, I've said this a lot. I cannot explain everything about unction and the anointing. But I know when I have it, and I know when I don't. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'd rather be on the backside of the moon, right. digging a ditch with a spoon, yeah. than preach that unction. Amen. Amen. And uh, a man must learn that he's got to get along with God, and that's where it comes from, that prayer place. Amen. Um, and the, those old mountain preachers told me, said, son, you've got to pray yourself full. Right. You're going to have to die out to you, get full of the Spirit of God, and then go preach yourself empty again. Right. Yeah. And that's what I've been doing 35 years now. Right. And right. Uh, I, I, I promise young preachers, it, your life will, your ministry, it'll transform you. Right. You'll never be sane. Right. And you'll never be satisfied again. Right. Ever right. without it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, so I'm thankful. And it is, a, it is, there is such a thing to be filled. The, the baptism of spirit, and we all know this, in 1 Corinthians 12. Mm. That happened at salvation. Right. That was our placing into the body of Christ. But being filled is a total different thing. Sure. Yes. yes. I, I believe it's a total, sure. lack of a better word, total different experience. Right. Uh, if a man will yield himself, because that word filled means being under the influence, the control of. If we yield ourselves to him, he'll use us. Right. Yes, and he'll use us greatly. Yeah. Amen. Without a doubt, that. I believe that. And so, uh, I believe with young preachers, they need. I began reading books by older preachers, listen to the older preachers. Uh, if if there's something I could stress to a young person listening to this right now, is you need to find you some older men. Thank God for your young buddies. It's good to have them getting together, praying and palling around. They ain't, fell, ain't nothing wrong with that. But I recommend you find an older man that's Amen. filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. And hang around him. Yeah, Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Drive him to a meeting he's preaching. Right. Pick his brain while you ride down the road. Right. And 
Um, I, I have most of my, a lot of my really tight knit friends are in heaven now. They's all older men, yeah. right? And my comrades and brother Brady and brother, y'all, I catch y'all that we're we're fellow laborers in this thing, right? But those older men are the ones that put that hunger in me, right. and right. see, and I believe too. For revival, you're going to have to have people feel the Holy yeah. Ghost yeah, to yeah. have revival. Yeah. You ain't going to have it without it. Yes. Uh, too many have tried the hoopla, and I'm for shouting, but being filled with the Spirit of God goes way beyond shouting. Mm, that's right. It is a, it is a yielded life yeah. to where we can allow the Spirit of God to use us and direct us. A great many times when I've had the Holy Spirit working in my life, I felt like getting under something. Oh, yes, sir. I couldn't get low enough. No, yeah. you won't uh, be strutting. Yeah. That's right. That's exactly right. He was talking about reading books, get, getting uh, under some older men. And, uh, I mean, I love to study. It seems like a, a lot of guys don't have that desire. Yes, sir. You know, I mean, my pastor put that, that hunger in me. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I announced my call to preach, and, um, you know, I had a zeal. And uh, I said, okay, what books do I need? He yeah. said, get a King James Bible and a Strong's Concordance yeah. and a place to pray. Yeah. And I said, well, well, what about what about this book? Or what about yeah. that? And he said, get a King James Bible yeah. and a Strong's Concordance. That's all you need to And a place to pray. That's right. And it, but, but, but what about what about writing an outline? <laughs> he said, get a King James Bible. <laughs> Amen. And a Strong. And he said, when you master those, come back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then eventually he started turning me on to some authors and some books. And and uh, I watched him have a hunger to study the Word of God and learn the Word of God. But he put that in me first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I don't know. It seems like a, uh, the day we're living in, we just don't see much of that. Well, study, and the Scripture itself tells us, it's weirdness to the flesh. Yeah. yeah there's going to be days you'll get in your Bible and it's going to be tough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't care who they are. I know I've met preachers that like they hit home runs every time they preach. I don't get in a batter's box sometimes. <laughs> You're going to have struggle. You have to discipline yourself to study. Yeah. Right. You have to get, as a young preacher, I, I wanted that touch and I wanted to know more about the Bible. And so I listened to preaching tapes. Um, my daddy had a pair of bows. Headphones, and back when I was fifteen year old, like you put huge suction cups on the sides of your head. It ain't these little old things you put in your son, and it block everything out. And twelve one in the morning, I was crying, weeping, listening yeah. these men preach, yeah. and I said, God, I need that, and I help me, and I'd get in the Bible, and I'd I just read and and go and. The longer I've been serving the Lord, it's a continual learning process. And even when you get older, you're still going to be learning. But I, through the years, God put some men in my path yeah. that helped me. And um, I, I began that hunger through Wade Huntley and those men for being filled with the Spirit of God. Those other men, Ross Lewis, Ralph Six, and God used those men to put a, a burning desire in me for revival. Mm. Now, I'm a pastor, mm-hmm. and my people know this, so I'm not afraid to say this on the Internet because they know this. I have a heart of the evangelist. Right. That's I, it, Since 15 years old. Yeah. Right. Okay? It drives me, gets me up in the morning, pushes me through the day, right. puts me to bed at night. Right. Um, but I pastor to feed. That's that feeding process is what pastors do. Through the years, God's put me in my life. You're, and I'm, I, to my shame, I'm admitting this right here. I've always read the Bible, but it wasn't until I took my second church that I ever read it from Genesis to Revelation. Mm-hmm. Just got in it and read through it. Right. And here's why I've done it. Had a deacon in Virginia who's my adult Sunday school teacher. And he made a statement one morning in Sunday school. He said, I've heard some fellows say they're having trouble getting something to preach. He said, most of them ain't never read their Bible through. Right. <laughs> Son, it's like a dagger went right. right in me. So I began then, and since in multiple times, just sit down, you'd be amazed what you're going to learn just reading 
Just you find things, you just I just mark something by yeah. verse where I can come back to study it out. Mm. So been things like that, men have you you helped me. And and I tell you something else that I, I've always tried to study, try to have something ready to give my people. When I took Pleasant Valley, okay, Brother Bradley, you know this. I follow Lonnie Wilson. Mm. Brother Lonnie, probably one of the best Bible students ever. Right. You're talking about a man that knew book of Daniel, book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Yes, sir. You follow a man like that? Yeah. You're going to learn to study. You ain't going to make it long. <laughs> that is bottom line. I right. mean, it pushed me. Yeah. I said, i got to feed this. But right. son, giving them, giving them Pop-Tarts when son, they've been eating eggs and bacon yeah. for breakfast and filet mignon instead of bologna yeah. from the pulpit. They're gonna starve to death. Talk, so it got me in the book. Talk to us about your about your system for stuff. I mean, I know like for me, yeah. I know some men can keep three messages going. Yeah. I can't. I, I've got to study what I'm gonna preach next, or I get them all jumbled together. Yes, sir. I'll preach them all at one time. Yeah. <laughs> so when I walk out of the pulpit on Wednesday night, I'm thinking about Sunday morning. Yeah. Now I have my process that if I'm yeah. undisturbed, I like to go through a process. Tell yeah. us about that process for getting ready for Sunday morning. Well, again, that. That's changed in 35 years. Um, there was a time I had to be totally alone. I couldn't have any noise in the early days. Even when I, me and Ray first got married and kids. and Man, I, I, I had to learn, number one, study if the house was caving in. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to learn how to zone out. Yeah. I, and I began learning how to zone my kids out. I mean, I've had them come into my secret place. And me in there trying to pray when this little, if I wasn't praying over somebody's situation, I'd, I'd let them stay because they'd learn to pray by hearing daddy pray. So, right. But I began learning to zone everything else out. And I, like you said, but too, I, I had the same thing. If I, if I hadn't have two messages already together, yeah. I'd preach both of them Sunday yeah. morning. <laughs> I'd somehow, yeah. I, I don't, I can't, I would, I just, I, now what I'm going to do tonight, you know. Yeah. Through the years, I've learned a little bit more on how to prepare uh, the two maybe in advance. Sometimes I still, there's still Sundays I get done preaching some morning. I'm going to eat Sunday dinner. I have not one iota clue right. what I'm going to preach at night. But through the years, a lot of times I do. If a man as a pastor, if he'll learn, if he can, if, and, it, and it's got to meet your style, you, how you do things. So I, I want that understood. I'm not saying if you don't do it my way, you run. Right, that right. No. But if if you can do some series or preach through a book, yeah. when I'm doing that, I have no problem right. getting ready for Sunday night. Because right. that's when I do my series or do my book study, whatever I'm doing. I'm doing a series on the local church right now. And the nights I'm doing that, I I know where I'm going. Yeah. Right. And that's part of the battle. It is. It's, yeah. I tell people all the time, there are 66 books. There's not a lack of material. Yeah. It's finding the start and stopping points. Right. It's tough. Yeah. Oh, and you preach a lot of meetings. You know? Yes, sir. Sometimes my, the biggest part of my battle in the day is trying to find what I'm going to preach that night. That's right. And when I get settled on what to preach, then I can spend time studying yeah. it. You know, I was reading today in, in Spurgeon's lectures to students, he's talking about picking a topic, picking a, a, yeah. a verse. And he said he heard a preacher say one time, if you, if you can't figure out what to preach and you ought to go back to the fields or whatever. And he said, that bothered me. He said, because sometimes I struggle to know what to preach. Oh, yeah. He said, what I've learned is it's not because there's not enough. It's because there's so much. Yes, sir. Right. It's You're hard to know what to choose from. Yeah, yeah. It's an and overwhelming I, thing. Yeah. In that book, he said, and it helped me, because he said, I heard him say or read in that that uh, he would go to meetings. And, and and leave not knowing what he's going to preach, yeah. Yeah. and and studied all day long, yeah. and uh, maybe uh, I think I read one time about he seen a bird on a ledge, and God spoke to his heart about a verse, and he yeah. got yeah. well preached that night. That that helped me because yes, sir. there'd be times I could spend all day studying. But there's been times, fellas, I would I would have gladly took some off the back of the cornflake box. <laughs> <laughs> I think that part of ministry. Is God reminding us we can't? Yeah. yeah, it is not relying on us. Yeah, mm. 
and getting the word out. Yeah, that's good. He is, our flesh is so rotten yeah. that if if he did not allow that, we would be so puffed up yeah. that we'd be no earthly or heavenly good either. Yeah, right. yeah. And I think there's struggles. He lets us get to the place. Are you are you ready to listen now? Yeah. And then the Holy Ghost begins opening scripture up yeah. to you. And uh, how do you know, preacher? How do you know that you're getting something from heaven? How does that come? How does that come? Son, the only thing I know is you'll know. Yeah. And I hate to, and I hate to word it that way. I, my, I hear a lot of preachers, but you know, I hear a lot of young preachers, and I've done it. You've yeah. done it. Everybody's done it. They pick up a message somebody else has preached. Yeah. You know, dust it off, yeah. and, and 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 walk in the pulpit with it. I've preached like that, and then I've preached when I knew God. It spoke yeah. to yeah. me that way. Yes, sir. And I had a message from heaven. Yes, sir. There have been those times that it becomes so alive and so real to your heart, and it'll burn inside of you with such passion that um, you feel like you're going to explode if you can't get it out. Right. And when you hit that pulpit, it's like you do explode. Yeah. And... Uh, and that's where, too, the difference, I think, in evangelistic preaching, which the Lord allows all preachers to do some, and then that of being the pastor, that shepherd of feeding. Mm-hmm. They're a little different. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're giving out, as a pastor, the groundwork keeps them moving when the shout's gone and when right. the storm comes. They've got, a, they've got the verses to pull yeah. back. The evangelistic messages God gives us it, it it comes in to uh, stir up, right? Yeah. And that's what it's used for. Uh, but there's time. Well, this past Sunday night, I'd preach Sunday morning, consider the lilies, and I had liberty, but it, it, it wasn't a red letter day, right? I mean, wasn't nothing wrong with my people. It just right. Just one of them times. But what I preached Sunday night come off of a little index card, yeah. yeah. And uh, as soon as I hit the pulpit, whew, yeah, I knew. I mean, it just yeah. instant. Son, the Holy Ghost had so welled up in me yeah. that I, 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 I just said, throwed up my sail and caught the wind yeah. and run. Yeah, you know. Um, so, just the main thing I think is important. Here's the main thing for a young preacher: he has got to stay reading his Bible. Yeah. yeah. He's got to. If you won't get in here and read, you're not going to know where to go. You know, he talked about, you know, your, your prep time for studying for yeah. Sunday. But what about just daily the most? That's the most important part, life, part of a pastor's life. Yeah. Preacher, period. If he won't have a devotional life, he's in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All men that's fallen have quit that before they ever fail. Yeah. Right. If you're, see, there, I get up in the morning, and I and this year, as a church family, we're reading through the Bible together. It's in our church bulletin board. Today, on Monday, you read these verses all the way through Saturday. And Sunday, the whole nine yards, we know what we're reading together. And I'm, I use it, and I take my time. I don't read it fast because normally I just go by books and just study a book through on my own personal time. And maybe have, I don't use maybe one or two commentaries at all. I really just go through it to see what the Lord showed me. I keep my strongs handy, right, and uh, constantly just looking words up, and which will surprise you sometimes oh, what right, a word yeah, really yeah. means. Well, you get in your mind with well, you get stuck, and they don't really say that right, right there. Right. And so I try to get in from myself. My assistant pastor will tell you when I come in the in the morning to the office, and my secretary. My door closes. That means no phone calls, no knocks on doors, unless somebody's hit life or death. I mean, they're on their way. They don't think they're going to live, and right. they'll, they'll buzz my office then. Otherwise, they don't come knocking. I'm in there for the purpose of God. i got to have something. Right. And if you don't help me, I'm going to make shipwreck. Yeah. And get in there for myself. Apply the book to my life. Amen. And then the rest of the day, I'll spend it studying to preach. Now, I preach meetings quite a bit. So what I do with that, I get up. I, I, I usually just automatically, I don't sleep any later than 7, 8 o'clock. Right. 
that I think I'm, you know, some men think it's got to be before the sun comes up. Right. And then they'll tell you something. Another man will tell you, you've got to spend all night praying. Yeah. And, right. you know, you got to find what works for you. Yeah. Right. I find mornings are good. I'll get up, do my morning devotions, get in that book. As soon as I'm done with that, I will begin studying what I'm preaching for Sunday morning. Right. On Tuesday, I'll start begin praying, Lord, what, what do you want me to deal with on the coming Lord's Day? And sometimes I'll start getting it more settled. And then I say, Lord, what about Sunday night? And right. um, begin praying. And, some, and they are Sundays now that I can tell you both what I'm going to pray. But again, there's still a lot of them the other way. I don't have a clue. But I try to stay. And then I get out of my motel room and go eat, go walk through somewhere, uh, just get my head good and cleared out. And then I come back and I take a nap. I take a 30-minute power nap every day. Yeah. And um, um, as soon as I wake up, I'll sit up for just a minute, make sure my head's cleared up from taking that nap, and then I start staying on and preach that night. Right. Sometimes as I leave the church that night of the revival, I know I'm going to preach the next night. Right. A lot of times, it, hey, not right. a clue. Right. And I'll study till I go meet the preacher for supper. And um, that's just kind of my study habits. Right. Let me ask a question. Are you preaching a lot of meetings? Uh, there's been meetings that I've preached that it's that way almost every night. I know I'm going to preach the next Yes, night. sir. And it seems like all day it's just easy. It's just, you know, the studying's easy, the praying's easy. Yeah. And then there's other times to where oh, I, I may not know until I walk yes, know, sir. in the door that night. Yeah. And I've studied all day, prayed all day, and, yeah. and pray, you know, um, and it, but it's just a struggle. Yes, sir. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I may be wrong on this, but I've often attributed that to, to how the church is praying for the meeting. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, that's got a whole lot to do it. Uh, old Mountain Preach from, from where you're from. I told Brother Jim Mills that. Me and Brother Jimmy talked fall, let's see. Yeah, it had been the watch night service from 2001-2002. He come back to the motel room. We sat in the breakfast room. We talked to one, two in the morning. You preached on the power going out there. Yes, sir, I did. <laughs> I sure did. And uh, we got talking, and he, he said, Brother David, an older preacher told me, said, if you ever get in a revival meet and a spirit revival breaks, you won't have to worry about what to preach. That's right. He yeah. said, you open the book, and it's like whatever your eyes light on. Yep. It'll grab you. Mm-hmm. And it's some of the easiest preaching. It'll wear you out physically. Yeah. And I mean, it'll put a burden in you. But it's it's like you, all, and not the, all day long, you just uh, simmer in it. Right. And then get up and you open and you go to preaching and you just begin to explode and it comes out. Right. And then there's those other meetings where it's their spring meeting. It's their fall meeting. Yeah. Here's a real good. It's the preacher's meeting. Yeah. <laughs> if there's a preacher's meeting, you're dead in the water. I don't care what anybody says. You're dead in the water. It ain't yeah. going nowhere. Yeah. And those meetings are tough to study for. Right. Uh, right. You, you'll struggle and struggle yeah. and struggle because they're not looking for nothing. Yeah. Right. But once that congregation gets in and that spirit of revival falls, and you've got people going to work and all they're thinking, Lord, God, I need something. Draw yep. me closer, Lord. Draw me closer. And that's going on all day long. And on the other side, God's working on you as the preacher. Yeah. Yes, sir. And by the time you get there, uh, man, it's just, it's unusual. Right. The first revival I ever preached with a strong move of God was right after that. In, two, in January 2002, I preached a meeting at Will Ivy Baptist Church over Mars Hill. And uh, Brother Gene Edwards was pastor there then. And I'm not super spiritual, this ain't mystic. When he called me in the book of the revival, I, I preached meetings a lot. And there's just something inside, and I, I believe it's the Spirit of God, said, don't worry about nothing for the rest of the month. And, yeah. and that, that settled in my heart. I settled in my heart yeah. Yeah. and got in that meeting and it broke yeah. and it just I'd get up in the mornings exhausted get strengthened up getting, and, and the Holy Ghost just opened the Bible up yeah. Yeah. it was getting to the place of that meeting I was getting phone calls through the day people were getting right yeah. 
and and they were telling me all, and here I am in the book, and it's just son, it's cutting cartwheels in my heart, and uh, they're just something. It's just different, different. Yeah. when them people have let God get yeah. a hold of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, otherwise, it's like trying to uh, pull a train uphill without a locomotive. It's right. it's tough. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, you're talking about. You mentioned Brother Jimmy, my pastor. We had that that meeting that broke out here. And uh, Brother Bradley called me, and he said, this, he said, clear off a few days. He said, I think we're going to be here for a while. Yeah. And, uh, and so first couple nights, I mean, I knew we was yeah. going to be here for a while. And I called Brother Jimmy, and I said, man, I've got all kinds of other stuff booked. He said, cancel. That's right. He yeah. said, do, but, but I'll never forget what he said. He said, do not leave where God is moving and go somewhere else hoping he'll do it. That's right. Right. Stay where God's at. Yes, sir. And uh, I never have forgot that. Yes, sir. Most men who have any spiritual discernment by them, other pastors, if you call him, even the last minute, yeah, and you tell him what you're in, right, everyone will say, "Man, I wouldn't leave if I was you." Yeah, right, sure. Right. And they'll call somebody else, or else they'll reschedule you for another time. Right. Um, I found that to be true. I've I've been in. Meet several different meetings through the years now, three weeks and two week meetings, and uh, where I've had to call somebody. Even when I was a full time evangelist, my last year on the road, I had a meeting broke. Matter of fact, it was Brother John Hill uh, down uh, below Lexington there in Thomasville. And I was in, he was scheduling me for the meeting, and the year before, he about died. And uh, I didn't know. Yeah. He's still in the hospital. Yeah. Schedule me for this meeting. Yeah. I show up. He's still in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> he moderates the meeting by Zoom. It's wired, church wired up, cameras, he can see everything going on. And he introduces me and everything from the hospital bed. Ah. Uh. We get out, I suppose, go Sunday morning through Wednesday night. But Sunday after Sunday, the power of God fell. Yeah. And, uh, on Wednesday, which is my normal routine, I'll start loading some stuff back up in the cargo trailer. And he called and said, what are you doing the rest of the week? I said, nothing. He said, you want to stay through Friday? I said, sure. I said, I believe, believe that would be the will of God. And I did. Well, he called me again on Friday. He said, where are you going to be next week? He said, my people are ringing my phone off the hook. Yeah. He said, God's a moving. They don't want to miss him. And I called the fella, and I said, listen, this what, and he said, preacher, you better stay. Right. And people were saved, people were helped. Um, but there's a difference. Yeah. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. And if you leave three weeks, two weeks, and go preach another meeting, yeah. you better, and young fellas, young preacher, you better listen to me, you better gear yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Because when you go to that next meeting, <laughs> it ain't what you just left. No, no. 95%, 99% time, <laughs> it's one of your tougher meetings. Yeah. It is. And you can't go rip those people's No, you can't. <laughs> it ain't, and it's not their fault. Right? Yeah. It's not their fault. Right. Here's what an older man taught me. He said, some meetings are just to get you to the next meeting. Yeah. And then some meetings are where a spark revival will break. Yeah. And you know, one thing that I learned when, when it broke out here and the youth meeting broke out, me and Todd's talked about this a thousand times, is revival, I thought I knew a lot about oh, yeah. revival, read books, uh, open windows and all them different books, read them different books. Yeah. But what I've learned, what I learned was I didn't know as much as I thought I knew about revival. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a supernatural act of God. Yes, yeah, and sometimes it's there's no rhyme or reason. It no. just happens. God just opens up heaven. That's right. That's and it happens. Amen. It's um just, it's phenomenal. Yes, sure phenomenal. it is. Get to be around it. One more thing. I don't know how long we've been at it. Go ahead. Um, man, again, you know, you, you've been preaching a lot of meetings half many years. Even before you went in full yes, time, sir. you preached a lot of meetings a year. I did. Um, and, and, I, and I'm not critical in what I'm about to say. But um, it, so many times, young men come up to me and, hey, help me get my name out there. Help me. Here, here's a handful of my business cards. Help me book some meetings. Help me get my yeah. name out there. Um, but uh, you didn't do that. No. Uh, you didn't. You, you didn't. And, no, and so, um, you know, some of these young fellas that are wanting to be used and wanting meetings and yeah. wanting God, well, how are they going to get that? 
as a young, even as a full time, when I went first in full time evangelism, and then the years before, I'd always had in me to want to preach meetings. I never preached many meetings till I took Pleasant Valley. Uh, one to a year, I had a big number. I no more took Pleasant Valley, and it jumped up to 10 a year just off the bat. And then after 2002, it jumped up to 20 or 25 a year. The year of surrender to evangelism was a year I didn't have a whole lot booked. Uh, I resigned in October and had two meetings, three meetings for the rest of the year, and that's it. Didn't even have Sundays booked. Didn't have nothing in January. I wanted to do one meeting in January, but I wasn't the main speaker. It was a jubilee. Nothing in February. I think I had one meeting in March booked, and then some three or four weeks in, of April were booked up. So what I did, I, I took my Bible and took my calendar, and I went to my secret place. And I laid it out before God, and I said, Lord, this is what you call me to do. Lord, I didn't choose this. Right. I would have never chose it. I was fine. But, Lord, you called me to do this. And, Lord, you'll have to open the doors. Yeah. Because I said, I can't self-promote. Yeah. I can't do that. Uh, if I was going to be playing an instrument in a band, I'd play rhythm guitar. <laughs> And I'd be happy as a pig in mud. Yeah. I don't I wouldn't care about a single lead lick, nothing. Right. I'm just happy being out in the background. That's just really what I feel. I said, But Lord, if you want to use me, you open the doors. And then he began opening the doors Amen. up. Amen. And Amen. God will feel you count. He will. He will. Yes. It, my first Sunday as evangelist, we had rented a double wide trailer in Leicester, North Carolina. Woke up five AM like I've always done on Sunday morning. Nowhere to preach. <laughs> Nowhere. And uh, you just say, Lord, here I am. Yeah. You know? And then, like I said, when I come off the road, the Lord let me do 27 weeks my first year. And most other full-time evangelists told me they have never known anybody to do that many right. in their first year. Right. Um, but I was doing 44 weeks when I come off the road. And I'm still preaching them. I do 20, 25 weeks a year now. Yeah. Um, Last year we didn't, but normal years right. you do. Um, but I just never, and when I was on the road, I had churches want to take me on for support. I was not a mission, quote, missionary, and I don't like that term. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not big on that. You either evangelist, right. you ain't. Right. Just, <laughs> I am. And they, as churches, they said, preacher, first takes on, you have to present your work. And I said, I've been preaching every night. There ain't nothing to tell your people. Right, right. Hey, really wasn't. They said, well, you got to say something. Got up. I said, well, that's what I do every week of my life. Right. Turn to your Bibles. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't self them. And let me say that if you self-promote, God will be sure to let the air out of it somewhere. Yeah. Exactly right. He he ain't going to honor that. You may get you a little circle. You get to go some. But as far as you really been used, you 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 got to surrender to him. Amen. And preach where I I flew to Dallas, Texas to preach to twelve. Yeah. And then I've preached to I've preached it for Brother Ralph in Asheville to twelve hundred. I flew to Kenyon, preached to fourteen hundred one night. Uh, but I can say this: everywhere I go, it's the same gear. Yeah. They're gonna get the same thing. Right. Um. I'm, and I and I tell you this too, and I think it, young preachers, you need to learn this. Just because a fellow's book you meeting and another fellow's got a bigger meeting, wants you for a meeting, you need to stay where you're at. That's right. Right. That's Unless right. the Holy Ghost has worked something. Yeah. Right. And like we said about a yeah. meeting going yeah. over, if that's the case, fine. But to be trading for size and offering it, that's wrong. Amen. I'll yeah. preach anywhere. Yeah. Absolutely. It don't bother me what it is, where it is. I don't let the brethren put chains on me. Uh, I'm me. Right, right. I'm preaching wherever it is. Amen. Because the people are dying and going to hell. That's right. And he said, going to all the world, and that meant all the world. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Ain't a limited place. So I just try to mind the Lord and go. And he can, he can fill your calendar, the place that you think, uh, 
as me and my wife found out, we had to find a day that was off to have date night. Right. Yeah. So, Amen. Well, preacher, it's been great having you in. Thank you for having me. I, I, this has been great, great hearing hearing you and getting information from you. You know, and I don't, I don't want to, uh, um, I didn't want to pour my off of what the Lord was doing, but when he moved you out of this area, it liked to kill me because <laughs> you were a good, a good friend to have too. around you. You are a good friend to have too. around, so it's been good to have you back in, uh, back uh, back here. In, but, but I love you. You're a dear friend. I love I you. I appreciate it. I'm excited what the Lord's doing through you and for you. Um, you know you know this. And I want to say something on behalf of my family to you today. Um, uh, 2019 about died. And uh, you come down with Jimbo. Yeah. I didn't know you was there. I was unconscious. Yeah. Uh, it meant a lot to my family. Amen. Yeah, I- we talked about it again today. It just it meant so much that you took the time and yeah. Jimbo would come and uh, knowing I wasn't going to be able to talk. They didn't know if I'd live or die. But yeah, I, we left there not knowing. I mean, just praying all the way home. God's you, people prayed, and yeah. I'm here. Yeah. So <laughs> I believe that for sure. Amen. But and, thank you. And I'll say this before we go off. Greatest funeral service I ever preached in in my life. I preached in with Brother David. Yes, sir, buddy. We got in a revival at yes, funeral sir. service one afternoon. Yes, sir. Uh, man. <laughs> I've never got to can't help it in a funeral preaching in my life, but I did that day. It was, it, it was a, well, it, Brother Bob lived it. Yeah. And he was real. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I ran and went to Ingalls that Monday after that thing, and I wasn't talking, so nobody knew who I was. And two ladies in a line, the, ch- the lady at the checkout and the lady got talking, said, Did you go to the revival, hear about the revival yesterday? And I'm thinking, what's broke out in the county? Yeah. And no, I wasn't there, but I heard about it. And they got talking. It was the, that it was that the funeral. funeral. <laughs> it, was that funeral. <laughs> it was unreal. And when I spoke, unreal. they turned around and said, You preached it too. And I said, God was there. And just God moved in that thing. It That's the first one I've ever preached in my life. Yeah. And I, that, that may sound crazy to say, but it's yeah. truth. Unreal. Well, we appreciate y'all watching. We hope that you'll share the uh, podcast, let every people, other people know about it. Um, I'm not sure who's going to be next. We'll just we'll see when you turn on when you tune in next Monday. You'll see who's in the hot seat, and uh, it'll be another great man of God from the area. So you pray for us. Ask God to help us uh, with this ministry and uh, share the work all that you can. We appreciate you watching. God bless you. See you next time.